with you guys. Um, if anyone doesn't know, I'm Steve Rossi. I'm the lead pastor here at the Gospel Tabernacle. And I'm so proud of our family stepping in to moments like we just did, you know, like a fresh word from the Lord. I love the heart of the true prophetic, the prophetic nature of God to strengthen and encourage and comfort his church through a dream from someone who knows nothing about what's going on that's so clearly for us in this time and place. And speaking of the prophetic, I want to circle back um, to a word that was given on Easter. If you remember, uh, one of the children heard a specific word for someone named Amy. And there's two reasons I want to circle back to it very briefly. And that is to bring understanding to the prophetic, but also uh, a testimony Um, because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy (laughs) to reproduce itself again. Testimony in the Hebrew, Hebrew word for testimony means do it again, Lord. (laughs) And so just to give a brief, uh, uh, the understanding behind that, uh, why we would give a word like that. And if, if you weren't here, it was basically that someone got a word, um, for, uh, Amy about in the, the, the Lord was going to activate her in the spiritual gift of seeing in dreams and visions and be able to hear from the Lord that way. And there were two people online with whom that landed and resonated with. And one of, I'll just share one story. One of them is a friend of our house from Maryland who was online that day. And she got that same prophetic word years ago. Her name's Amy. And she said, I've doubted the word since then um, at times. And hence, I really haven't been cultivating it, but through conviction and encouragement of that word through one of our children here at the tab, right? Because there's no junior Holy Spirit. Everyone can hear the Lord. Um, That uh, she got this word and she's now fanning into flame the gift that God has given her. Amen. Now, sometimes we get those words and we take those risks and it's not right. There was nothing. It wasn't from God. And like we just... We missed it. But there's permission for that too, right? And that the spirit of prophecy is love. If I'm motivated by love, and if this word is consistent with his character, it's within bounds, right, to take the risk. And so I just wanted to speak to that to bring understanding and testimony regarding the prophetic word of God. On the note of the word of God, you all know, right, that the word of, by the word of God, everything was created. And so there is power in the word of God. And so as we go to the written word of God, I want you to consider how powerful this word is. All scriptures God breathed and useful for several things. And those things each produce in us transformation and make us more like Jesus. So if you would stand with me in honor of God's word... It's a little long of a passage, so I'll read it out loud alone. But would you follow along in your hearts, and would you even hang on every word, knowing that it has the power to bring transformation to your life? This written word, this sure word of God, each word has that power. And the Holy Spirit is probably going to highlight to each of you a different part of this passage, a word, a fresh word for your heart to bring about your transformation, to bring about direction in your relationships, whatever that might be. So let's pay attention to the word with that kind of reverence, with that kind of faith that this word uh, has the power of God, um, is the power of God. 
One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying on the outskirts of Gibeah under a pomegranate tree in Migron. With him were about 600 men, among whom was Ahijah, who was wearing an ephod. He was a son of Ichabod's brother Ahitub, son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Shiloh. No one was aware that Jonathan had left. On each side of the pass that Jonathan intended to cross to reach the Philistine outpost was a cliff. One was called Botsets and the other Sanaa. One cliff stood to the north toward Michmash, the other to the south toward Geba. Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised men. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead, I'm with you heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come on then, we will cross over toward them and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outposts. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of the holes they were hiding in. The men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we'll teach you a lesson. Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half an acre. Then panic struck the whole army, those in the camp and field, and those in the outposts and raiding parties, and the ground shook. It was a panic sent by God. So on that day, the Lord saved Israel. Amen. You can be seated. Now, let's watch this super short clip from the movie Braveheart of a conversation between William Wallace and Robert the Bruce, King of Scotland, about freedom from England's oppressive rule. If you make enemies on both sides of the border, you'll end up dead. We all end up dead. It's just a question of how, Uh, why. I'm not a coward. I want what you want, but we need the nobles. We need them. Now tell me, what does that mean, to be noble? Your title gives you claim to the throne of our country. But men don't follow titles. They follow courage. Now our people know you. Noble and common, they respect you. And if you would just lead them to freedom, they'd follow you. And so would I. I know. Don't you just want to watch it right now? I'm like, it never gets old to me. And um, and so you're like, man, I wish we could just sit down, hit the lights here. No, but can't you see in uh, the King of Scotland, Robert the Bruce, uh, King Saul in comparison, right? 
this kind of wavering fear. And William Wallace uh, may be a kind of Jonathan, right, who is full of courage and faith unto freedom, saying this is about our freedom. Well, do you know that this isn't the first time that Jonathan attacked a Philistine outpost? In fact, a chapter before, Jonathan attacks the outpost and the first outpost, and that's the context in which they find themselves with the Philistines enraged, gathering their men like sand on a seashore, and chasing after the Israelites who are now scattered and hiding. The Israelites are running for their lives. The Philistines have hold a stronghold of the blacksmiths, and there are no weapons in the hands of the Israelites, except for in the hand of Saul and in the hand of Jonathan. They're the only ones with weapons, and that's the context because Jonathan attacked an outpost before this too. <laughs> Jonathan here attacks, is looking to attack a second outpost. He's either addicted to fighting, risk, or something deeper is going on, right? A little more historical context from our First Samuel series, the first weeks, right, is that um, Eli is mentioned. Do you remember Eli lost his priesthood? Him and his sons lost the priesthood because of corruption in their family line. Like what they did were acts of corruption, disobedience to the Lord. They were passive. Uh, Eli was passive about his son's immorality. And his son Phineas, soon after dying, his son Phineas' wife had a baby and named him Ichabod, meaning the glory is departed. Don't miss Ichabod's name in this passage. That the priest of Shiloh, who is with Saul, is a relative of Ichabod. The glory is departed from Saul. Last week you learned that God has rejected Saul as king. And in time, he would lose the kingdom because of his disobedience and fear. The glory had departed from Saul. And so he's with this priest, and it's such prophetic imagery for us. But it not only is imagery regarding the loss of his kingdom, it's imagery regarding the condition of his heart. Saul would operate in fear and pride and control in only increasing measure as the weeks, as these passages go on and tell us more of his story. And so it's no wonder that Jonathan would in time become friends with David, who would receive the kingdom. As you see Jonathan's faith in this passage, it's no wonder that they would become kindred spirits, brothers in faith, men after God's own heart. Well, it was 2008, and it was a great year for our family. We had our first child, Ava. And um, in, in uh, February 2008, I realized we weren't having a baby. Julie was having a baby. Um, but <laughs> at the end of that year, we, um, I was really wrestling with calling. And uh, I was sitting in a coffee shop on the north side of Pittsburgh and reading this Erwin McManus book. And uh, he says, and I'm paraphrasing, he says, listen, we don't need more doctors we don't need more pastors. We don't need more salespeople. We need more people who are alive. So do what makes you come alive. And I was stirred up in my spirit 
because I had been wrestling those last few years about what does God want me to do? Who am I? These kinds of questions many face in their late 20s. And um, soon after, uh, Joel Repick gave me a call about working at Aliquippa Impact. And it was kind of like a bringing together of my sales and business experience, my call to the city. I'd really been like falling in love with the city of Aliquippa and um, my call to ministry. And so I decided, Julie and I decided, we're going to take this faith-filled risk. We did not hear the audible voice of God, brothers and sisters. I did not hear of an inner voice uh, of the Holy Spirit saying to my heart, go to Aliquippa Impact. But I believe God's voice was in those circumstances and those different things coming together in time along with the stirring of my heart. Jonathan here, we, I cannot lift from this text that Jonathan heard the voice of God. Jonathan, though, I believe, made two faith-filled decisions uh, rooted in the Word of God. The first faith-filled decision was to go and explore this enemy outpost. And don't miss also the word he uses for the Philistines when he says the uncircumcised Philistines. He is not speaking kindly when he uses this term. Because you may know that circumcision was a sign of covenant between God and his people. And so what he was saying was, these are not the people of God. He was offended at them, chasing the Israelites, making them hide in places, oppressing them. And he said, these people are not the people of God. We're the people of God. We're the chosen of God. We're in covenant with God. And so essentially in describing them that way, he has faith in their identity from God. Don't miss that for your life. He has faith in the, his identity from God. There's a second faith-filled risk he makes here, and it's to create the conditions as to whether to attack or not. Isn't it, isn't it weird that he just says, hey, like, maybe if you know, they come to us, we'll just retreat. In the practical sense, they're running downhill toward him, so it's like we're at, a, we're at a real disadvantage here if they attack us. But he says, if hey, if they call us up onto their level in arrogance and make this a level playing field, I believe God is giving them into our hands. And I believe that that's rooted in words that he would have heard in his life. If you could put up on the screen... The next slide, guys. This was Samuel's word to over Saul, Jonathan's dad. Anoint him ruler over my people Israel. He will deliver them from the hand of the Philistines. I have looked on my people, for their cry has reached me. And so Saul believed God's word that they would be delivered. What about this next one? Samuel says this to Israel. If you're returning to the Lord with all your hearts... Then rid yourself of the foreign gods and the asterisks and commit yourselves to the Lord and serve him only. And he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. <laughs> Jonathan is taking God at his word. This is why it's a faith-filled risk and not just like manipulation or trying to control God, right? Like you can create conditions that are not true spiritually, that are not faith-filled, but are, that are manipulation. Well, if, if I do this and this person does this, then that means God wants this. It, you, can, you can make those things up in manipulation and control. That's called witchcraft. This is rooted in the word of God, and that's the difference. 
he believes in the word that God spoke to Israel. And Saul is not believing in the word, right? And there's a distinction between him and his dad. And there, there's a line drawn here in the sand, so to speak. What about this word that he would have heard in Samuel's farewell speech not long before it would have been referenced last week, probably? Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You've done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. Be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Jonathan had faith in the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. How many of you know that faith is not always knowing what to do, but it's rather a gift of God to believe that what he said will come to pass. I'm going to say that again. Faith is a gift of God to believe that what he said will come to pass. Jonathan is faith-filled. Saul was passive in fear. Jonathan was proactive in faith. Saul looked at the circumstances around him. We just had a ministry moment. We can look at our disappointments and keep looking at them and looking at them and getting more discouraged and getting more discouraged. Or we can look and fix our eyes on the Lord and on his word and walk by faith. Saul maybe was picking pomegranate seeds while Jonathan was picking a fight. Saul was staying where the glory had departed and Jonathan said, I must possess the glory. You see, because the glory was going somewhere else and I don't know what all Jonathan understood, but the glory would go to the line of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah would come from the line of Judah, would come from David's family line. And I don't know what Jonathan understood prophetically, but he knew I can't stay where the glory is not. I've got to follow the word of the Lord, and I want to go where his salvation's at work. How many of you want to go where the Lord's salvation is at work, right? Rather than staying where he is not working, where he is not doing anything, where he has departed. And so he goes where the glory is. Brothers and sisters, we are a faith-filled people. And my main point is we were made for God's glory. And sometimes that means taking faith-filled risks to follow Jesus. Jesus is the glory. Newsflash, Jesus is the glory. <laughs> and he is going after God. Where is God in all this. We are God's people. This is my inheritance. I'm not missing my spiritual inheritance just because my dad lost my physical one. That's what he's saying in his heart. <laughs> I am going after, I'm staying in my spiritual inheritance even though dad lost the kingdom. We're going where Jesus is going. We're followers of Jesus. The armor bearer makes my point for me here, right? The armor bearer says to Jonathan, bro, I'm with you heart and soul. Whatever this is, what are they called? I didn't, I didn't plan on saying that ride or die. Ride or die? He's my ride or die? I don't know. I'm with you. Ava's cringing right now. My 
Ava, who's now 15. Um, so, but I'm with you heart and soul. I'm going where you're going, right? Jesus, you have my heart and soul. I'm following you with a courage rooted in covenant. The armor bearer was knitted together to Jonathan in heart. He was knitted together in covenant. We are covenanted to Jesus. <laughs> and so we're following Jesus and we are with him heart and soul. And the Bible calls this in one place going from glory to glory. That our purpose, that if he's the glory, we are with him and we need to be going where he's going. <laughs> right? So sometimes it looks like following him on mission. Other times it looks like just sitting and waiting in his presence. But whatever it looks like, it looks like remaining in him. Right? And so we see in this passage that sometimes going from glory to glory, though, before you get to the next glory is suffering. Like you got to go through suffering to get from one glory to the next glory. Right? And so Sometimes there's this bad theology out there that just says that just means that life is just going to be great all the time, right? But glory to glory sometimes means going through suffering to get to glory. Notice that in this passage, remember, every word matters. Every word's purposeful in the word of God. That in this passage, he says that they went between the cliffs, Boatsets and Sanaa, slippery and thorny. They went through a hostile environment only to face an enemy that outnumbered them in battle. And that's what glory looked like that day. <laughs> right? They had to go through a hostile environment. Jonathan's face, though, was already set. The decision was already made in faith. Right? His face was set toward that Philistine outpost. Jesus' face was set to Jerusalem to the mission of dying on a cross, right? And Jesus makes a better Jonathan, right? He suffered a greater suffering unto a greater glory. And though Jonathan left from where he was to go to that Philistine outpost, Jesus left the paradise of heaven. Jonathan left his father in secret because his dad didn't share his faith, Jesus left perfect fellowship with his father for their shared plan of reconciliation of us to God and us one to another. Amen. Jonathan won a battle that day against the Philistines. Jesus won the war for mankind that by dying on the cross that whosoever believes in him shall have eternal life. Amen. Amen. Jonathan passed through the cliffs to victory and Jesus passed through hell to conquer sin and death through resurrection. Jonathan was a warrior of distinction in that he had an armor bearer. But Jesus is the warrior of warriors in that he never lost a battle. Amen. And so we see that Jesus fought for and won for us such a great salvation. And he still, brothers and sisters, fights for us for our sanctification today, which just means that that same gospel power is making us more and more like Jesus today. He still fights for us today. 
through his sanctifying work. And the reason is that we have a capacity to receive more glory. The reason that he does the sanctifying work is to grow our capacity to receive more glory. This morning, in our ministry moment, in our time in worship, we made room for God to do a work that we would possess, encounter his glory, that we would become more like him, whether for some it was through repentance, for other it was through Jesus grieving with you and us and you just acknowledging your pain, for others it was him filling you with joy and a spirit of praise, right? And so God was increasing our capacity, wherever you were in that, he was increasing your capacity for glory. I'm not talking about vain glory. I'm talking about capacity to carry his glory in order to manifest his glory that others would be transformed through your life. Paul wrote this to the church in Thessalonica. But we always... But we ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because God chose you as firstfruits to be saved through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel that you might share in the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. One translation says, your purpose is to obtain his glory. (laughs) And so... Through this great salvation, through this gospel power, through this sanctifying work, through faith in the truth, we are growing, increasing in our capacity to carry his glory. The first part of that passage says we're a first fruits. See, this is something Jonathan understood, was that because of covenant, he was a child of God. And so we know by faith that because of who we are in Christ... And what he's done for us, that we are children of God, and through that identity in Christ as a new creation, we can walk and live by faith. We can live and walk by the Spirit of God, right? And so, Heather, if you can come and play. Oh, okay. I actually want Heather um, to play. Um, uh, (laughs) um, And so... You know, Saul and Jonathan each had a weapon in this story. But Saul was passive and Jonathan was proactive. I mentioned that a moment ago. Sometimes obtaining more of the glory of God, in other words, growing and becoming more like Jesus and whatever that looks like in a given moment, sometimes that looks like God just fighting your battles for you, right? Like only be still and I will fight for you, right? And other times, and I, and I believe God's doing that in us right now. I believe that God is giving a spirit of praise for heaviness. And anything that is transformational in its work among us is going to be from God, right? But I believe there's also a time, right? And we, we know when these times are that God calls us to get in a fight, to pick a fight with the enemy, to stand up and get offended at what the enemy is throwing our way. We did some of that this morning. We said, wait a minute here. We're going to take that word and exercise faith. We're not going to be passive with the word like Saul was about, you're going to be delivered. I'm going to anoint you to deliver the people from the Philistines. 
No, we're going to be like Jonathan, and we're going to take up our weapons. So I want to talk about weapons for a minute. And I know you ladies, there's like 30 of you or so who are uh, in the Armor of God series right now. You could teach on this better than me right now. But I just want to talk about the weapon of faith, the shield of faith, and the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God. Because they not only went in with faith, right? But they attacked the enemy with a sword. Brothers and sisters, our sword, the weapons of our warfare, our offensive weapon is the Word of God. We must ingest, we must know the Word of God that when, not if, but when trouble comes, we take part in a battle in overcoming that which comes against us. Because yes, we're victorious, but God has, we are in a spiritual battle, right? (laughs) We are in a battle. And the Word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. And we need that word. We need to know the Old Testament. That's one edge of the sword. We need to know the New Testament. That's the other edge of the sword. We need to know this word and what it means. Do you see all the imagery in this Old Testament passage for what I'm preaching right now? We need to know the word of God, old and new, ever increasingly, because such, I said it earlier, there's such power in the word to perform itself, to create new things, to stop the enemy from what he's doing to our family, to our church, to our brothers and sisters in mission around the world, to whatever's going on. This is why the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective. You want to pray powerful and effective prayers? Pray the Word of God. Pray the promises of God over people. Open your Bible. You don't have to memorize. Read it over the trial in someone's life. Someone texted me last night, pray for my family, pray against evil, pray for, he was, he was just listing things that need to be prayed for right now in a critical moment. And it's like, let's pray that word. Let's prophesy that word. This place will be filled with praise, right? It's the will of God. It's the word of God. Let's prophesy it, right? And so I just encourage us to fight with the word, to learn how to fight with the word, that one of the ways we grow in go from glory to glory is by fighting the battles that God has called us to with the word of God in faith. Um, another way, and I'll close with this, is cultivating intimacy with Jesus. You know, Jesus, I keep saying, referencing glory to glory, right? That passage is from 2 Corinthians 3, where he says, when you behold the Lord as though in a mirror, you are being transformed from glory to glory. So when we make room in worship and just minister to him where it's not unto anything else, it's not to get prepared for ministry or that he would bless my ministry, it is just to love him because he's worthy. It is just to tell him how good he is and come into alignment as we do that with truth and with our true desires and with everything he has for us, right? And so one, I want to bring that down. Like, okay, minister to the Lord, cultivate intimacy. And I've talked about this before, brothers and sisters, but if you just quiet yourself and get in a secret place or with a community of people in worship and prayer and just, I love you, Jesus. You are good. Thank you for your mercy. You are worthy. 
Guys, as you begin to practice that and he draws near and quiets you with his love, he will shift you into alignment with your truest desire, which is to know him more. He will bring you and fill you with his glory and his love for you. He will encounter you and quiet you with his love. He will grow you in your capacity and staying power in the spirit to worship him and love him more and to stay at his feet. And as you do this, whether it's Jesus fighting for us, us fighting with the weapons that he's given us, or just waiting on the Lord and loving him and worshiping him, as you do this, you are becoming more like him. Brothers and sisters, we were made for God's glory, whether through worshiping him or the battle that we see before us that he puts us in. We were made for his glory. Let's continue to follow him with courage and the faith that he put in Jonathan. Amen. Amen. Amen.